Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show on another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. You know what? They're all grand. They're all grand and glorious when you live here. Isn't that, isn't that the way it goes? Even when it snows, the sun will come out tomorrow or the day after or maybe sometime next week. Not tomorrow because it'll be snowing. Ah, welcome to a, another two hours of the Patrick Lally Show where we will endeavor to engage you in energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, and national news, politics, sports, nature, water, health, fitness, science, industry. Uber producer Dan Peters is here to keep you updated on the latest news and weather. Thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio, streamed live on KSO.com using the KSOO mobile app. That's the new KSOO mobile app that you just need to reach out into your, your, your app store and download, and you can get one-touch listening to the fine programming here on KSOO, this show, and, of course, the Main Street Cafe with Chad and Beth from 5 to 8 in the morning and uh, a lot of other stuff. I'm a fan of the push notifications. Yes. Oh, that's right. The push notifications are awesome. Because when stuff comes out, when we produce stories and put them out, then when things are happening, then they go out and you get notifications on your phone. You say, hey, oh, there's something going on. Yeah. Dan Peters has some news. I should go read that news. That's how that works. Those are amazing. And uh, that is our new app. You, some of you folks out there may have the Radio Pup app. Fine app. Fine, fine app. Don't get rid of it. But you want to get your KSOO app so that you just have that one touch, bam, right there, bam listening to the show, walking around or out, you know, getting some exercise or what have you. It's perfect for that. And remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live or Dan is always mannering, mannering, manning the Twitter account at P. Lally Show. That's at P-L-A-L-L-E-Y Show. Hey, uh, speaking of the Twitters, I saw that uh, the city, you know, they're, they're all geared up for the snow. And because uh, we got, so they had this tweet. We received three to four inches of snow last night, but expect as much as six more inches tomorrow. Plows are focused on emergency and secondary routes for your morning commute. Watch for a snow alert to begin after tomorrow's system is through. Which I take that to mean, and I, I'm pretty sure this is what that means. They're not going to plow your neighborhood until Sunday. So don't get all up in arms that the plows haven't been through yet. They're just taking care of the main stuff right now because there's another storm coming. So they'll be back. Because think about it. If you have everything, okay, we're going to plow everything. And then by the time they get everything plowed, then the next snow starts falling. You've wasted a lot of money. You got to start all over again. There's no point in that. There's no point in that. And now you can just wait for them to fill your driveway in because, and here's where I'm going to, I am, my, my position is going to be vindicated with this snow. I can feel it. Right, because there's already three to four out there. If we get another six on top of that, uh, snow gates are dead, dead. They can't deal with that kind of snow. They've already said in some respects that the snow gates are not going to be as effective once uh, they get to this point. Yeah. So what happens then, Teresa? My friend Teresa Staley, she's going to be all over me for that one. And my friend Scott Arisman, friend of the show, Scott Arisman. I'm sure he'll be texting me here very shortly. <laughs> That, you know, they're big backers of the snow gates. God bless them. But uh, they have their limits. And I, you know, a heavy, a lot of heavy snow is, is one of them. And some operator error. There's some debate going on about operator error. Well, they're human. And these machines are made by humans. So That's right. there are going to be imperfections along the way. Yeah. And of course, uh, if people, if people want to make sure that I help dig the, the claws into you, I, I can play the I can play the song that you hate so that I can I can continue to raise your angst. Yeah, what's that? This would be the song that you hate. What's that? Oh wait. That's is that the Jackrabbit fight song? It is. I I all I hear is static. I don't is there a tune there? Is there some sort of composition? Because I just hear static. I don't I don't hear that. Some people don't see color. I don't hear 
What is theirs called? I don't even know. Jack. Ring the bells. What? Ring the bells. Because you know they have the cowbells. Oh, it's just, That's right. It's the ring the bells. Fine. Fine. Sounds like the cattle are coming in for their nighttime milking up there in Brookings. <laughs> no, you know, I should mention uh, my coyote men, they lost last night in Brookings. Uh, you know, but I'm okay with it, really, because we were down substantially. The jackrabbits came out. They were hot, shooting, boom, 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 up there in Frost Arena. And we came back. Ran a big, had a big run, like 22-4 or something, and put a big scare into him. Took the lead late. Uh, Matt Mooney, Matt Mooney, he just went nuts. He had 33 points. And uh, I have to admit that I wouldn't want to have to play state in the tournament, in the Summer League tournament next week, uh, in the championship round, having already beat them twice. Because that's, you know, you know what the old saw is, Dan? It's hard to beat a team three times in one season. And I think that's true. And both teams are really good. Yep, they're both top of the league by uh, head and shoulders. Same with the women. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Um, the tournament is going to be awesome because uh, both state and you, uh, men and women, are very good. Um, and, you know, this game last night, didn't, it didn't really matter in terms of the tournament. I mean, we could have got the one seed, and that would have been cool. But two seed, you're on the opposite side of the bracket. That's all that matters. And, you know, the rest of the league in this year is just not that good. Now, either one of them could lose in the, uh, but they'll both have, how does that work? They get a bye in the first round or however that works. No, the way they have it is they play the first day and then oh, yeah. the lower seeds have to play on the second day and then they have to play three consecutive days right. to get to the title game. So the, the top, by being in the top two seeds, you get that day off. Correct. So they would play Saturday. They both will play Saturday. All four of them will play Saturday, right? Yes, that is correct. Wow. That's going to be fun out there at the T. Denny Premier Center. Uh, that'll be a gas. Um, next week is, is it's game, the, the tournament's next week, week from tomorrow. It's going to be an amazing stretch of basketball at the Premier Center, and we'll be watching that very closely. It'll give us something to talk about. In fact, I talked to uh, uh, our college basketball analyst, uh, Jeff Harkness, and he's going to come on the show, I think, Wednesday. Wednesday, we're going to do a couple segments on previewing the big tournament. Woo! <laughs> a little bit of nature, boy. That's going to be fun. It's always good to have Jeff on the show, so look forward to that from our sister station, ESPN 99.1. And Jeff knows Summit League basketball, man. He knows it inside and out. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. Our guest today, uh, Jay Gilbertson. He is manager of the East Dakota Water Development District. And while that may sound a little wonky, uh, we're going to talk to Jay about buffer strips and water quality, and I I love this topic. How to keep our rivers and lakes and streams and creeks dirt, uh, clean because they're dirty right now. We have we have bad water quality, and we need to fix it. So we're going to have Jay in to talk about that. The Buffalo Maiden will give us a report from the Black Hills Bureau for Weird Friends, and Thea Miller Ryan of the Outdoor Campus will be with us for her weekly visit, and she is bringing with her. Audrey Willard, she is the director of the Butterfly House and Aquarium, and it's nice and warm in there, so that's why we're going to talk to her. You can go look at fish and, you know, see butterflies. I'm going to try not to ask her uh, how they taste. That's usually my question for... See, the monarchs don't taste very good. The viceroys are the ones that taste uh, good. They taste better. Okay, that's good to know. We'll ask that of Thea and Audrey when they're here about 345. And I'll have a P&L statement just after the next break. Today's topic, mmm... Beer. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 319 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Everybody wants to live and they want to live. Oh, here we go, getting a little closer to free. Just a little bit. Everybody needs a chance once in a while. Everybody wants to be closer to free. Yeah, what? How can you get a little closer to free than beer? Beer, it's good. We're going to talk about beer here in just a second because I can't. I, <laughs> 
Uh, but I, I do want to note this this uh, uh, development that Rick Gates, who was an aide to Manafort, who was the one-time um, uh, campaign manager for Donald Trump, has uh, said to plead, he's going to plead guilty to a bunch of charges uh, that because he was indicted uh, last fall uh, and faced a bunch of jail time. Um, you know, this is getting pretty serious. You know, it's they're looking at, uh, you know, money laundering and all that. And the the charge that he's going to plead guilty to, I think, has something to do with an interview uh, just a few weeks ago, February 1st. That's what I heard coming in, um, which would indicate that the investigation is taking a big step in that uh, Mr. Gates may be cooperating and he knows a lot about Mr. Manafort. And maybe this all will focus on Manafort. Um, he's the guy who was working in the Ukraine, making gobs and gobs of money and hiding it all over the world, and uh, which essentially was uh, working for the puppet of the Russian government. So there's a pretty direct tie to the Russian uh, power structure. Um, you know, who knows? It's That's crazy. It's crazy stuff. Rick Gates is going to plead guilty to some uh, lying to the FBI and, and some money laundering issues, I think. Um, but what I want to talk about is locally, uh, you know, I beat up on our legislature a little bit on occasion. I have been known to be critical of the South Dakota legislature. I know that's a shock to you all, but there are times when they get it right. Straight up problem solving without fanfare, without shouting, without name calling. And this beer bill is an example. So the Senate Yesterday, right as we were going off the air, I mentioned it right as we were going off the air. They approved this compromise bill that lets uh, the craft brewing industry sell to retailers like, you know, stores, liquor stores, grocery stores, that kind of thing, without having to go through a distributor. And that will raise the barrel limit uh, that they can brew each year to 30,000 instead of uh, 5,000. And that is a uh, uh, a good deal. And there's some other details in there. This is just good for the, the craft brewing industry. We've known things have changed. It was an old law. It needed to change. Everybody came together, came up with a, a deal that works. This deal just flat works. So I'm I'm very happy about that because, like many of you, I like beer. But I'm always good for a beer. <laughs> I am always good for a beer. And uh, we've got a lot of fine breweries in town here now. Um, so that this, this brewer's bill, as I call it, craft brewer's bill, um, that the problem was that, uh, the old way was limiting the potential growth of the brewing industry in the state, specifically, uh, my friends at Fernson Brewing in Sioux Falls, which has a, a, a large facility and they're expanding and they were running up against that old, that old limit. And, uh, they are pretty big. They're bigger than most brewers. Crow Peak in Spearfish is pretty big, I think. Uh, sells a lot of beer, but I don't know how, what their capacity is. I don't know if they're up against that. They probably were getting close. Uh, Fernson also has the cool downtown tap room. So does Hydra, though I don't know uh, that they are butting up against production limits. Um, so it's all good, and they can still use distributors. It's not like the, the business of distributing beer goes away. Um, but what I like best about this vote and the apparent deal that's been cut is that everybody was able to come together and find a solution. So, you know, kudos to the governor for bringing up the issue to begin with. I mean, somebody brought it to him, obviously. Um, and also to state majority leader, Blake Kurd for my friend, Blake, for brokering the deal. I don't know if he call him calls. I don't know if he calls me a friend anymore, but I still consider uh, acquaintance. Let's call him an acquaintance just to be safe. Um, I love it when things work. Uh, when it's reasonable and forthright, oh, that we could do that with some other issues. Granted, it's beer, not, you know, guns or transgendered bathrooms or abortion or anything like that. It's just beer. But beer, mm, beer. is good. <laughs> we like beer here. We are pro-beer on the Patrick Lally Show. There's no doubt about that. And... uh so, you know, and I think it's just great news for those guys out there who are trying to start their businesses, you know. Um, the Fernson guys, they're, they're you know, a well-financed operation and they've got big dreams. But you never know when somebody who starts with smaller dreams just keeps growing. Who knows what's ahead for Hydra? 
heavy the heavy metal aficionados down there at Hydra. They got some good beer too. I like beer. And yes, he likes <laughs> Dan came prepared. Dan's got his A game on today, ladies and gentlemen. So nice work there, Dan. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, but you know, there's the bottom line on today's PNL statement. Beer, it's good. Agree or disagree with me, you can always email me, Patrick at KSOO.com. Follow along on our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show if you've got a comment or on Facebook Live. Coming up next on the program, we're going to have the Buffalo Maiden in, and I bet she's got something to say about beer. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 333 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000, KSOO, and Sister Golden here is the theme song that I play for the one and only Buffalo Maiden from the Black Hills Bureau. Buffalo Maiden, are you you okay out there? Is is it still just snowing to beat the band? (laughs) It's sunny now, but we, yeah, it's been crazy, crazy how much snow we have out here. Well, that's good. People don't believe me when we say I have like over a foot, but... um, you know, like I had to put my mom in, in snowshoes so that she could, you know, tromp a trail for my dog to follow her. So <laughs> that's how much snow. I mean, it's, they don't even want to go outside if there's so much snow. The dog, not my mom. No, mom goes but, out regardless. Yes, she does. That's just yeah, no keeping her in. Especially now that she has goose down. <laughs> yeah, now she's got that goose down coat, she's all set. But poor Nora having to jump through all that snow, that's just not, that's not. Uh, it's crazy. It's yeah. not, it's not good. It's yeah. not good. I've been out at. All hours of the night with her. So, <laughs> hey, but no, uh, it's sunny today, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we're through it. You're getting it though now, huh? Yeah, thanks. It's great. Couldn't yeah. be happier. I got. Well, you can just stay at home and drink beer now that we can have beer in the state of South Dakota. <laughs> yeah, uh, we local. have we have a beer industry now. They can. We do. I just I can't imagine. I mean, this has been in the works because I started my brew pub. I don't know about eight years ago. Was mm-hmm. it? Has it been that long? Yeah. Didn't you, there was a point where you couldn't sell yourself your own beer? Right. We, I had uh, three restaurants. One of them was a, we had a brewery and we would have to, and the two restaurants were 30 feet apart from each other. And we would have to sell the beer to a distributor to take it to Rapid City and then buy it back at a higher price. Even though it's a product that I was producing, making. In the, basically in the same building. Oh, in the same building, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just separated by, with def- separate entrances. That that was crazy. Yeah, like a curtain. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you'd have just yeah. blasted so a hole just, through the walls, you'd have been okay, right? Right, probably. But no, because you have separate, uh, you had to have the same address. So it's, it's very exciting. I'm really happy for um, all the brewers. I think that the one little thing that I see the red flag in my situation is uh, the amount of self-distribution is very limited. Um, 1,500 That might have been a, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the compromise that was made. I, I, I'm just guessing mm-hmm. that was a compromise that was made to get this bill passed. Well, and like Fernson, um, they use distributors because they distribute all over the place. So Yeah, you, you can't possibly, when you're that big, you cannot possibly self-distribute. But when you're a two-barrel or four-barrel or, say, you know, Hydra or mm-hmm. a Homestead Brew or those people, they could self-distribute. And, um, you know, that, that number is, is good. It's a good number, but it's also going to be down the road. Hopefully they can increase that as well. Yeah, and I would think that if you get uh, people who are finding they're bumping up against that, you can, you know, repetition your grievances and go back to the legislature. But, you know, that's probably the, the uh, consolation or the, uh, uh, the fig leaf they gave to the distributors to say this isn't but now yeah yeah it's not a done deal yet correct my understanding is it still has to go through the is it the house the house of the house of reprehensibles as we used to call them down yeah but the governor's on it which i that just i just implored by that because he was not interested years ago when we first approached this so i'm kind of happy that he's changed his tune maybe he's found beer (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's discovered. Because the last time he was in my restaurant, he was drinking uh, the a nice bottle of white Zinfandel, which uh, you know I don't even carry anymore. No, it must have been Moscato because we don't carry white Zinfandel. Yeah, well, but, and so maybe he, yeah, maybe he's a home brewer now. 
He probably is. He, I mean, he's going to need a job. G double D beer. That's what he should call it. <laughs> I, I've already got his label designed. We got, yeah, we got it going. Well, there is a brewery in uh, Pierre. Maybe he could get a job there. There you go. Or maybe he can get his friend, probably his good friends now at Fernson Brewery, to do a specialty brew, the G double D, in honor yeah. of the new new laws. That's that's there you go. You got it going. If my if you got my, it going. If my friend Blake Thompson is listening out there, Blake. The GWD beer. I I will buy You know that Blake Thompson is there because I I hired him first. He first brewed beer for me. I know. Way way back in the Mm -hmm. uh, day when he was just a lad learning the craft. Yeah. He was working. Bud Light was his favorite go to beer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, times change, Nancy. Times change. Times change, yes. I'm very (laughs) proud of him. I'm very, very, very proud of him. So. Well, so uh, anyway, uh, what else is going on out in the Black Hills other than, oh, you know, we got a huge Saturday coming up tomorrow. Too bad you can't be out here. But, you know, um, it's the outhouse races at Nemo. Um, so we're dec- we're busy decorating our outhouse so that we can go up there and push it. Um, I don't know how far we have to go, but it's going to be a big deal. Wait a minute. You know, Wait a minute. And and, and hopefully. Um, the, the bad part about, or the weird part about all that, if you don't bring your own outhouse, you can borrow one, which I think <laughs> just sounds terrible. So who wants to borrow an outhouse? Nobody. Did you, I know. <laughs> did you I know. build one that you have your, is this the, uh, uh we're going to get, we're, we got to get on Well, we're trying to get it built, but in between Buffalo deliveries and everything else, we're having a hard time, but, um. We're, we're focused. Maybe next year. We're, we're, we're trying to get the prototype put together. <laughs> You're still in the design phase? We're still in the design. <laughs> well, because we were celebrating the beer thing, so yeah. now we have to we have push back. So, wait a minute now. The, the You have to explain this to me, these outhouse races. They're where? It's in Nemo. Uh, so I don't know if you're familiar with Nemo, but that's the most beautiful little part of the, uh, the hills. I'm actually staying and there they, this summer in Nemo. Really? Yeah. That's a different story. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think they let people from the east side stay there, but maybe they do now. I think maybe I have. Got, maybe it's new owners. I think, I think I have somebody vouching for me on that one. It's huh. kind of out of my control. Wow. Yeah, well, it is pretty up there. You are in the, can- I mean, you're in the canyon and you're, you know, it's one way in, one way out kind of thing. So, um, that's kind of interesting. So they have, wh- so where do they have big these? Big Mama's, they're big, what is it? Big Mama's Beer Garden or something? I don't know. I don't think You're I've ever love been it. to Nemo. So the the outhouse races, they, yes. you, you push the outhouse? I mean, what is, yes. It's a race, right? So somebody's in it. Oh, somebody's in it. it. Well, you hope somebody's in it, but not like in it, you know. Is this in but, a lake um, or is it in like a parking oh, lot? Oh, no, down the road, down the, uh, oh, down okay. the. Good road there. This yep. is you get a lot of outhouses in this thing. I don't know. Um, you know the weather's going to be beautiful. We 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 got pushed back also because we've been shoveling all week, so it kind of got um, on the wayside there. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I hope there's a lot of people. It's a fundraiser, I believe. The Shriners fundraiser. It's always the Shriners when it comes to outhouses. Yeah. Shriners and outhouses go hand in hand. <laughs> we're going to put a big tassel on ours so it can roll around, but you know, fly around. And we're, uh, an outhouse but, with uh, a an outhouse with a fez. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Now that's part of the design. Man. There you go. See? The other thing that's happening, which I am so excited about, is the fly fishing film festival. Fly fishing film festival. Yeah. <laughs> Say that quickly on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, I just tried. Um, so what's that? It is a series of films at the Elks Theater, which is our uh, historic theater in Rapid City. That's you know that's been uh, renovated and mm-hmm. in, in operation for, my gosh, like twenty five mm-hmm. years. Unlike probably, us, three years. Just say it. Unlike Sioux Falls. Unlike you guys, we're yeah. a little bit more on the ball. Right. Um, so it's a uh, in the historic theater, and it's a series of fly, of short films based on fly fishing. Like one of them is called Chandler which is a, a group of veterans that take inner-city kids up to Chan- the Chandler River up in Alaska, like 3,000 miles away from, in, you know, here out there. And, and they teach them uh, survival skills, uh, teach them how to fly fish, and just give them a whole different out-of-body experience. Well, that's pretty so I'm cool. excited about it. What, yeah, and, it's going to be a great, a great series. 
That and that runs what, like over a month or something? Uh, no, Pat, it runs a night. One night. Oh, you one night. They're short night. films. They're short films. <laughs> They're short films. One okay. night. It's on Wednesday night, so if you can get in the car and get out here, you could uh, do a whole series on, on fly fishing and the short films. Yes. There's way too much snow for that. I'm it's not, 15 bucks. You can, af- you, can, you can afford that. Yeah, I can. Hey, you know, yeah. I, I need, next week, next week we got, are you coming to town? What is this? What's uh, the deal? Probably. We are, uh, Sage Creek Girls closing down now after Saturday for uh, two and a half weeks. It's our winter break. Okay, so you're going to come to town and, and be on the show, right? Uh, possibly, yes. All right. Well, if we can line that up, I want to do that because I want to talk about vegetarian cooking. Okay. All right, we'll do, but we're going to save that topic, all right? We'll save it, yes. Um, uh, Buffalo Maiden. all about the cheese. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Buffalo Maiden <laughs> from the Black Hills Bureau there in beautiful downtown Custer at the Sage Creek Grill. Uh, uh, Maiden, thank you very much for for filling us in on the events of the day out there. Sure, sounds good. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to talk with Thea Miller-Ryan and Audrey Willard about oh, stuff at the outdoor campus and the, and the Butterfly House. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 346 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Crazy, I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. Ah, uh, Patsy Klein, crazy. We could just let that play and just we'll just sit here and listen, but we won't. We won't because we have in studio with us, uh, as we do every Friday, Thea Miller-Ryan from the Outdoor Campus. Director Hello. Uh, thanks for being here, Thea. Thanks for having me again. And almost every time Thea's on the show, she brings a friend. And today she brought Audrey Willard, who's the CEO of the uh, Butterfly House. It's a Sertoma Butterfly House, right? It's actually just the Butterfly House and Aquarium now. Oh, really? Yeah, we've had some changes. Well, mm-hmm. just get rid of those Sertomans. We never liked those people anyway. <laughs> no! Hello! <laughs> I I love my service club friends. Um, the Butterfly House and Aquarium, which is, now we should point out, uh, outdoor campus over there, 49th and Oxbow, the Butterfly House and Aquarium is right there as well, right. but it's not the same thing, right? Correct. yeah. Tell us, so you're not part of the Game Fishing Parks then, right? Right, yeah. It gets a little confusing because we're in a city park. And the outdoor campus is part of South Dakota Game Fish and Parks, but the Butterfly House and Aquarium is a private nonprofit. We don't receive any funding from the city or the state. And since 2012, we haven't received funding from the Sertoma Club. So that's why we are no longer the Sertoma Butterfly House. So the Sertoma Club founded us back in 2002, but we've been independent since 2012. So we're the Butterfly House and Aquarium now. Wow, I didn't, I did not know that. Yeah. See, you come to the Patrick Lally Show and you get information <laughs> on Information 1000. Um, so not to go too far in the weeds, but how do you raise money then? What do you do to... to Make the place go. Yeah, we are completely funded by admissions and memberships and gift shop sales along with donations. So every time you come through the door, every time you attend an event, that's what keeps us open. And people who haven't been there, what is it? It's a butterfly conservatory. So a cold, cloudy day like today, you walk into a room that feels like a rainforest surrounded Mm. by butterflies and tropical plants. And then since 2011, we've had saltwater aquariums. So we've got several coral reef exhibits. We have a shark and stingray touch pool, a Pacific tide pool where you can touch starfish and urchins, clownfish, anemones, seahorses, a really fun variety and experience the ocean right here in South Dakota. So Audrey Willard, CEO of said Butterfly House and Aquarium, how do you end up being the CEO of a Butterfly House and Aquarium? Well, you got to love wildlife and nature. So I studied biology at Augustana University. And then I studied environmental education at Washington State University and then moved back here to Sioux Falls. I was education coordinator for a couple of years until I became CEO in 2011. Wow. So you've been doing it for a while. Yeah. Cool. It's a perfect job. Yeah. I, <laughs> when when uh, uh, Thea said, I'm going to bring Audrey from the uh, uh, Butterfly House, I th- the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, I bet you it's warm in there. Mm-hmm. As you said, it's yes. a, just a, like a great getaway with the kiddos. Because you can bring the kiddos yep. in there and they'll love it. And, you know, what a wonderful place to be in a, during a snowstorm. Definitely. It's always at least 80 degrees with the butterflies, so you can escape the cold. It's relaxing, but you don't need the kids either. You could come in and enjoy a book, just sit and relax. It's oh, yeah. Great asset for all ages. Just sit and look at the fish, pretend you're like in Florida or something. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That'd be awesome. I, I've been in there now. It's kind of the aquarium part is, as I recall, was dark, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of dark. And so you see the fish in there fully illuminated. It's really a wonderful experience. Yes, it's very relaxing. It's good for you to sit and watch aquariums. It's actually going to lower your heart rate and your breathing rate and help you relax. So if you're having a bad day at work or you're stressed out, just come in and sit and watch the aquariums. I need that. Mm-hmm. That's that's made for me, as Thea knows, that sometimes I'm running like, you know, <laughs> on the razors. That, that's not true. I, I'm pretty laid back. Uh, Thea, um, yeah. uh, before I we get to the end and we're out of time, um, it is snowing and we can go outside yes. the outdoor campus. When, how long does it take you? And this is just for my own personal use here. Okay. Will I be able to cross country ski on Sunday? Um, you should still be able to ski. Yeah, no problem. We're going to have a lot of snow. Yeah. But Saturday might be tough because you're not going to be out there grooming on uh, Saturday. I, you know, I'm not sure if the city, the city takes care of the grooming. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. They sometimes have staff workers on Saturdays, but um, it's groomed today. Yeah. We're going to be teaching classes all day tomorrow. We have snow and go from one to three, which is a drop-in event. And you can snowshoe or cross-country ski for free. No kidding. Yeah. One that's to three. Awesome. Yeah. So that's the the free part of it is it's free gear. Free because gear. it's free yep. to ski if you have your own stuff. Right. If yeah. you have your own stuff. But we'll loan you the gear and you can snowshoe or cross country ski or do both yeah. from one to three. Tomorrow's perfect for it. I know. We're so excited. This is our first real year of good snow in a long time. And it's gonna be it's not gonna be windy. It's just gonna be snowing. Snow. I know, like a snow globe. You're out there skiing. Out in the trees. How many miles of, of ski trails do you have? It's right about two if That's you take bad. all of the trails. That's mm-hmm. not bad. You can do that and probably, you know, most people if you're a beginner, it might take you forty five minutes or so. But <laughs> yeah, well, maybe longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, twenty minutes. Yeah. Something like that. That'd be it's fun. A great trip. Yeah. Um and then same with snowshoeing. Yep snowshoeing we just ask that they stay we loan them the snowshoes Mm -hmm. but we say don't step on the trail on the ski trail because uh, that hurts when you're a skier and you run into a snowshoe yeah it's also groomed for nordic skiing skate skiing right yeah it is it's people walk on that i know they do i wish they didn't but so you end up having to they also uh the city also grooms over it it's at tomar park right now okay usually is in um Across the river there at right. the dog park, Spencer. Yes. But because of construction there at Tomar. Um, <laughs> we're getting way off track of butterflies. <laughs> um, uh, back to Audrey uh, Willard, who's CEO of the Butterfly House and Aquarium. Mm-hmm. How much does it cost to get in these days? It's $10 for adults and $7 for youth. We also have memberships that gives you admission year-round. It starts at $45 for two adults, $10 per child. Well, that's not bad. 40, say that again, $45? For, $45 for two adults, yep, yeah. and then $10 per child. So 50 bucks gets you, you know, if you got two kids, 60 bucks, mm-hmm. you're covered for the year. Yeah. Every time you're like, you know, kid, put down put down the iPad. We're going to the butterfly house, right? Yeah, that's right. Get kids away from the screen, out of the house, and do something different. Do you have programs and stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, interpretive stuff? Yes, yeah, so we, we always have volunteers throughout the facility that can answer any questions that you have. But then we also do kid venture classes that are like mommy and me and daddy and me classes. Camps, usually when there's no school over spring break. And then in the summertime, we have camps as well. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to even ask my normal question of the... Uh, Oh, what, what do the fish taste like? Well, or the butterflies. She's <laughs> yeah. always talking about stuff you can eat. Yeah. In this case, that's not applicable, right? And there's no yeah. eating the butterflies. No, no sushi at the butterfly house. Oh, no. Darn it. Uh, that sounds really cool, and I think that'd be a perfect... You know, you can do both. You can go snowshoeing, go skiing, stop in the butterfly house, warm up. And then go have sushi. And then then go have sushi. (laughs) That's That's awesome. Uh, Thea Miller-Ryan, she's director of the outdoor campus at 49th and Oxbow. And Audrey Willard, she is the CEO of the Butterfly House and Aquarium. And they are both fabulous uh, parts of the city that make it great. So thank you very much for coming in today. And Thea, we'll talk to you next week. I'm looking forward to it. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. We're going to talk with Phil Shrek of the KSFY Severe Weather Center. And then we're going to talk about clean water, your lakes, your rivers with Jay Gilbertson of East Dakota Water Conservative District. It's a big title. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with
357 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Hey, you know what's going on right now? Home show. Sioux Empire Home Show out at the convention center. That's today until 8. Tomorrow, 10 to 8. Sunday, 11 to 5. All kinds of stuff for your house. They've got it all built up out there. It's pretty impressive. If you're building, remodeling, landscaping, or just looking for ideas, you'll meet the professionals firsthand at the home show. Everything from building, decorating, financing, landscaping, and more. It's always that and more that gets you. Admission seven bucks, children twelve and under free, seniors are six bucks. Coming up after the break, we're gonna talk with Phil Shrek, Chief Meteorologist for KSFY, and then Jay Gilbertson. We'll talk about how to make our streams and lakes and rivers cleaner. That's all on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Four sixteen on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And we're just trying to get in the mood there. A little Irish music, the Pogues, Fight Your Fall from Grace with God, because you know St. Patrick's Day is just around the corner, and you know that means it's going to be nice out again someday, and that means we'll be out recreating in our lakes, rivers, streams, creeks. All of it, and uh, so we wanted to bring in Jay Gilbertson, who is he is uh, the involved in issues of water quality because he's got this fabulous title. He's manager of the East Dakota Water Development District. Jay, thanks for coming down to Sioux Falls today. Not a problem, Patrick. Anytime. Um, so tell me, uh, the East Dakota uh, Development Water Development District. Uh, that's a kind of a long uh, and kind of bureaucratic name what do you do well we're the government and we're here to help yeah (laughs) again that's great good news yeah the water development district uh we're one of a variety of what are called special purpose districts in south dakota uh the water development districts and we're one of seven across the state um have a fairly broad mandate to work with a variety of water resource issues our origins go back to the uh uh big irrigation project days of the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And they didn't really know what they needed, so they created something that had a, you know, we could do almost anything. I like to tell people if water's involved and I can convince my board, then we can be involved. Yeah, that's interesting. So how long have you been uh, in this position? Because I've heard of you and read about you, uh, but I've never, we just met in person today, I think is the first time, but you've been around a while. I've been with the Water Development District. It'll be 24 years in July. Wow. Uh, out here in South Dakota, about 35 years. Spent the first 11 down in Vermilion working at the State Geological Survey. Ah, uh, beautiful uh, Vermilion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we liked it down there. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, so now you're living in Brookings, unfortunately. No. No, no. I kid my I, friends. No, given the time of year and the <laughs> Winter Olympics and everything, I'm originally a Twin Cities native, and the Vermilion was great. But it never stayed cold enough for the ice to form, and my kids couldn't learn how to skate and all that sort of stuff. So, no, I, Brookings is just far enough north that snow sticks. Yeah, you're in a completely uh, different sort of ecosystem up there with the weather. It's true. Uh, so uh, you guys, as you say, if you can convince your board, you can be involved. Do you have then taxing authority and that kind of thing, or is it just getting involved in policy? No, we do have uh, – the the districts do have very limited taxing authority. Um uh, spread across the district. In our case, uh, the East Dakota Water Development District covers uh, 10 counties and change uh, up and down the Big Sioux River Basin. Including Sioux Falls, right? Including Sioux Falls. Uh, yeah, we basically go from Minnehaha County north, although that part of the city of Sioux Falls that is in Lincoln County, which is what we're in right now, mm-hmm. is also part of the Water Development District. The city of Sioux Falls is part, and so even as they grow south, we grow with them. So if you have taxing authority, uh, um, what would you tax? Do I pay you a tax right now? Uh, yes. If you check, your, if you're paying property taxes, um, you are, uh, and you live within the district, uh, if you look way over to the right-hand side of the decimal point on your mill levy, uh, you'll see a, a, a very modest uh, contribution toward the water development district. And, and what do you do with that very modest contribution? Uh, 
beer cookies. <laughs> um, no, uh, it, we we invested in a number of things. We've got a, a, a staff of about four, uh, well, uh, four professional uh, scientists that work in a variety of activities. We get involved in water quality monitoring, water quantity monitoring. Um, the board, uh, we, we provide grants to a variety of, of third-party entities, work with counties and cities and other activities, kind of whatever the need is there. Uh, for a long time, we were just sort of a fairly small two-person office, and uh, as the demand grew and the need for some um, professional assistance was there, the state can only do so much with limited resources, we shifted over and we've added a couple of, of uh, permanent uh, full-time staff to go out and do some of the work that needs to be done, talking about water quality. We've got uh, a couple of professionals, and most of what they do is go out and take water quality samples hmm. uh, all during the summer season and then process data during the wintertime. Um, and you, you you make some of that data available to the public, correct, on, oh, on, through your website? Right. We uh, it, It's available on the website. Like with the state and a lot of other things, it's sometimes a little difficult. Uh, we Nobody's figured out a good way to make the data readily available um, part of it is because everybody's question is different. They call and say, do you have something? Mm -hmm. And Maybe. Part, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. We've got lots of things. But uh, it's hard to tell what is it you're really after. And uh, we're actually hoping here in the next couple of weeks to roll out a, uh, a new page on our website that would allow people to uh, pull up a map, uh, zoom in on an area, and any place that we've got a, a monitoring site that's got historic data uh, then you could click on that, drill down, and get a, a chart of what the trends have been over the last, uh, as long as the, the data's been collected, um, a graph of what it looks like and that sort of stuff. That's but, outstanding. Uh, yeah. So um, we know that clean water is important. Um, that's really not an, the, a question, uh, but it, how clean is our water? Well, again, it, it partly depends on where you're coming from when you ask the question. Uh, from a drinking water standpoint, the, the water that comes out of your tap is just fine. We have good the, water in Sioux Falls, at least. Good water in Sioux Falls. The, the, the public, uh, you know, public works department and the uh, guys up at the water plant, uh, they do a great job of taking what's available and it, treating it as necessary and then passing it along to everybody. Um, you know, we get water from a number of different sources. Uh, locally here at Sioux Falls, they uh, have a, a whole number of groundwater wells pulling out of the shallow big, what we call the Big Sioux Aquifer. Mm -hmm. uh, from time to time, they've taken it out of the Big Sioux River itself. Mm -hmm. um, that hasn't been a need recently because of the Lewis and Clark pipeline, right. uh, which uh, the city's been able to tap. And I think at the, at the present time, it is uh, more cost effective for the city to buy treated water from Lewis and Clark than it is to treat their own water, which is a good deal for everybody. You know, it gives Lewis and Clark more customers mm -hmm. and, and uh, provides a, a, a good quality product at maybe a little bit less price. For and we the, don't use the residents. It's only a, per, uh, a, it's not even the majority of our water. Well, you know, I, that I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, before Lewis and Clark, it was basically a mix between groundwater and surface water. Yeah. And that and was dangerous because as the city grew and the water demands went up, the, there were times when the water supply was very low because the river was just a trickle or I think late seventies, the thing actually quit running because of a drought. Right. And the, I think I've been told I, a little before my time out here in South Dakota, but yeah, I understand the big Sioux here in Sioux Falls was basically dry in the 76 or 77. Uh, and, and yes, for a, a growing community like Sioux Falls, um, they're not running out of water, but, uh, you know, a couple of decades back, the, uh, the the movers and shakers looked forward and said, hey, by 2012, we're going to be out of expansion capability. Mm -hmm. The water's not going to disappear, but the next guy who comes to town is going to have to bring his own water with him. <laughs> and that prompted the uh, exploration of a lot of different potential sources of which Lewis and Clark was the ultimate resource. And so now there is that new source that's available, the pressure's off the groundwater, the pressure's mm. off the surface water, but as the community grows, those will come back online, and at some point down the line, we'll need to be looking for additional sources if the community grows, and hopefully it will. Um, the, uh, there's two sides of this. Um, we talk about groundwater and drinking water, which is huge in a lot of places, because not everybody's hooked up to Lewis and Clark, or they don't have great facilities to begin with. Um, the 
the other side of it is, of course, recreation. And that's and just, um, you know, being able to uh, benefit from a river other than using it for drinking water is. uh, But is a lot of your attention based on the big Sioux uh, or is it spread across all those bodies? Well, a lot of the sampling and work that we've done over the last three or four years has been focused on the Big Sioux River. That's the big water resource within the district, although we do have a portion of the upper Minnesota watershed and, and there are a number of, any number of tributary streams are coming into the Big Sioux, including Skunk Creek, mm-hmm. which comes right through town here. Uh, our focus has been primarily on those water bodies, the Big Sioux and other tribs, that are considered impaired with regard to uh, what they call designated beneficial uses. Um, the state has something called immersion recreation, which to normal people is swimming, mm-hmm. uh, and then or falling out of the boat, or well, that, that, no, that that comes that comes next. That's the other rec- that's that's limited contact recreation, yeah, okay. where like fishing or boating, where mm-hmm. you would have incidental contact, but you're not intentionally going into the water. And I'm much like you, I mm-hmm. intentional or not, I tend to go in. Uh, and then there are standards uh, that. Uh, that we used to evaluate whether or not the water is suitable for that use. And for a very long period of time, uh, the Big Sioux River as it runs through town really hasn't met those standards for what, it it isn't where we would like it to be. And so a lot of our efforts have been focused on uh, either monitoring the water to see if we are affecting any changes and then working with others who are working to to make it better. And we're going to talk about how you make it better uh, when we come back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters and continue our conversation with Jay Gilbertson, who is the manager of the East Dakota Water Development District on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four thirty-four on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And a little rebel music there for you. You're going to be hearing more and more of that as we get closer to St. Patrick's Day. So just get used to it. Um, We are here with uh, Jay Gilbertson continuing our conversation about water and water quality because he is manager of the East Dakota Water Development District, which covers Sioux Falls and Minnehaha County all the way up to Watertown. And uh, it's a a big dang deal. Would you call yourself, Jay, uh, then it's it's a unique organization. Are you an advocate for clean water? Oh, most certainly, most certainly. Um, we, we don't, the, the districts, uh, East Dakota and the rest of them, we don't have any regulatory authority. Uh, we can't tell people to do anything, uh, but we can invest a lot of time and effort and do in trying to convince people that there are, there are ways to do things that are beneficial. Um, it's hard to say, you know, not necessarily, there's not a right way and a wrong way because that differs for everybody, but... There are ways to do things where you can accomplish your goals and and probably accomplish some water quality improvement goals as well. And we've been talking about the Big Sioux River a lot on this show and and elsewhere uh, about the quality of the water because it is technically an impaired waterway. Um, And there's a lot of conversation about whose fault it is and how you fix it. But I think everybody wants to make it cleaner, or most people do. Um, What can we do to make it cleaner? Well, the... Patrick, the, the, the biggest problems we have with the river right now are uh, excess amounts of bacteria in the water. Uh, that's the, the biggest impairment. We've got other issues with sediment and dissolved oxygen from time to time, but it's the bacterial load that is uh, creating or is the, the culprit in most of the impairments that we know of. Um, these bacteria largely come from the wastes of warm-blooded animals including you and me, mm-hmm. uh, and certainly they come from a wide variety of ranges, and there's no one particular problem area. Uh, there's people poop in the water, and there's pet poop in the water, but there's also a fair amount of livestock poop in the water. And, and when you say a fair amount, you're, it's, it, is it primarily a, a livestock issue? Well, um, depending on where you are, but yes. And, and that's not intended to be an indictment of, no. of, of the animal industry or anything. It's a reflection of simply what's out there on the watershed. You know, we don't have, outside of the city of Sioux Falls, you know, major communities every, you know, 10 miles along the river and that sort of thing. We don't have a lot of uh, homes and cabins right along the edges. We certainly have impacts from those, but by and large, what we've got are an awful lot of, um, you know, warm-blooded 
hooved animals who were walking around and make great burger mm-hmm. uh, eventually. And so, and we like that. And we, we oh, I'm I'm a big fan of hamburger, and I love my milkshakes and all the rest of it. And so, a lot of the efforts that are are being directed at the Big Sioux Basin right now are aimed at finding ways to allow the river and the livestock to uh, cohabitate. Uh, uh, without causing any trouble. The biggest and we think the most effective way to do that is to uh, isolate the river uh, from the livestock or and, and any other practices for that matter is to build up what are called riparian buffers, mm-hmm. uh, a buffer between the river and whatever else is going on next to it. And if we can get 50 to 100, 120 feet of, of just basically tall grass and brush, um, you can do an awful lot to keep things out and to clean up the river that's there. And there's been, it, it seems simple, plant grass. And it's not, even like you say, it's not that much. But there has been a lot of resistance from the agriculture community, and I'm not being disparaging either, uh, to to have a, a, a broad, concerted effort to create those barriers up and down the basin. Well, I don't know so much it's a resistance, but it's... It, recognition that, you know, if I'm going to, uh, I'm a landowner and I'm running cows or mm-hmm. growing corn or whatever I want to do, um, that's a strip of ground that I could otherwise use, that, that somebody's asking me to take out of production. Yeah. And in recognition of that, there are a number of programs out there that are available, federal, state, and local. Uh, talk about con- the Conservation Reserve Program, CRP. There are CRP programs. But CRP has been in decline, correct? Uh, the amount of, of CRP dollars available to the state, to the state of South Dakota and really anywhere across the country is certainly less than it used to be. Uh, but there's still some opportunities out there. There are programs with other federal agencies like U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. But in recognition of um, partly the decline and, and also partly the sort of unique requirements that each program brings to the table, uh, one of our local watershed project groups, the Central, uh, or the the Big Sioux River Watershed Project, it used to be called Central. I got that in my head. Um, we've, they've come up with, uh, and we've helped develop some more site-specific uh, options that maybe don't have uh, as many requirements as some of the federal programs do because we don't have to meet nationwide mm-hmm. standards or are cust- can be customized to meet the local needs. And the most popular of these right now is uh, what is called SRAM, Seasonal Riparian Area Management. And that allows, um, it, it requires, you know, that the, the riparian area, uh, 50 feet minimum, uh, be isolated. Um, excuse me, 20 feet for SRAM. I'm going to get yelled at. <laughs> um, and, uh, but that uh, the livestock be kept out during uh, certain periods of the year, basically the recreational season. Mm-hmm. Um, the length of grass uh, has to be maintained at a certain level. Um, but during the rest of the year, the land can be accessed and used. And uh, in exchange, in recognition of that, of what the p- folks are giving up, um, there's a reasonable payment made. Uh, you it's know, sort of the concept of CRP. Oh, yeah, it's it's the same basic thing. All yeah. of those programs recognize that, you know, there are some people out there who will say, okay, fine, I will gladly give up, you know, any use and any hope of getting a, a return on my investment. Uh, but those guys are few and far between. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to come up with a program that works. For some people, it's CRP. For some people, it's a fish and wildlife easement. Uh, for a lot of folks in the big lower Big Sioux River Basin, what we're finding, it's, it's SRAM, uh, which is a lot more flexible. Uh, and it's something that we've been able to invest uh, resources uh, that, we've, uh, brought, that, that have been brought in both from some state grants and also some additional dollars the city of Sioux Falls has leveraged um, through a uh, program that the state DNR mm-hmm. has developed. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some of the successes that are out there um, and some of the things that the city is doing because the city does contribute to water quality, certainly. Uh, and we're going to address some of that stuff with Jay Gilbertson, manager of the East Dakota Water Development District, right after this very short break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 444 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And we continue our conversation with Jay Gilbertson, manager of the East Dakota Water Development District, and we've been discussing buffer strips and, uh, you know, the Big Sioux River and water quality because this is important to our city because that river wraps around us 
And uh, the, the middle of the city is essentially an island created by the Big Sioux River. So think about that for a while, people. Um, there, how We've been talking about uh, buffer strips and uh, their use, uh, but there's some good examples where you've had immediate impact. Uh, I'm thinking of Skunk Creek, that program. Uh, sure, Patrick. Yeah, the uh, um, installation of the buffers and, and a number of other best management practices that are used to reduce loading. Uh, have been popular and been promoted around uh, the region. Uh, A few years back, we were able to get a a stretch, uh, or the project was able to get a stretch of of Skunk Creek uh, up near Colton, uh, about three miles, pretty much entirely wrapped up either in in some kind of a buffer. Mm -hmm. And uh, the uh, state and and some of the federal agencies we work with and and the district said, hey, this would be a great opportunity to see to really see what exactly happens. And so there were four sites established. Uh, the, the first one upstream was sort of, you know, everything there was normal, and then one, two, three afterwards were what happened. And what we saw, particularly with regard to the bacterial loadings, is they just absolutely crashed. Um, order, in a good way. Oh, in, in a good way, yeah. <laughs> order of magnitude reductions. Reductions, yeah. Going down, that, mm-hmm. was, that was a very, very good thing. And uh, that uh, uh, it, it took about a month that first year for everything to kind of get rolling, and then they've uh, they've gone down and they stayed down. Um, now, again, if the source is largely uh, you know livestock, whatever cattle wandering into the stream, if you keep them out of the stream, it, it it's not rocket science to figure out what's going on. Uh, and as we follow the quality of that water farther downstream, where those programs are not as persistent, then the concentrations start to climb back up. Mm. But it, it tells us that if we can do these things, uh, we can have a real big impact and, and make some real changes. Which brings me to the city, because in the city, the, they have, uh, you know, there's signs up along the river occasionally along the bike trail that says this is uh, environmental protection. I can't remember what it says exactly. But they are essentially creating buffer strips in parkland. Oh, yeah, those are great. I mean, the, I mean, the, the buffer strips that we're doing on Skunk Creek and, and some we're trying to put in along the Big Sioux River up north of town are largely intended as uh, livestock exclusion zones. And, and, and the, the grass is there and it's great. Another function of buffers, and this is where the, the ones in the city here work really well, is they literally act as filters. Mm-hmm. And so anything that happens on, again, the, the far side of the buffer, uh, runoff or stormwater, something's got to come through. All that grass... Uh, acts as a, a wonderful filter. The, the nutrients are taken up by the plants that are growing. Uh, the long, deep tap roots of some of these perennials will, will grow and create better uh, infiltration. Uh, and in the end, things that might otherwise have flowed overland across a nice, well-manicured uh, bluegrass uh, park um, never make it to the creek. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole idea is we're going to keep the, you know, because let the water, uh, leave the water alone. Uh, I hear this from different people all the time. They're like, well, the city's just not mowing the parks because they don't want to spend the money. But those those are buffer strips and they have a purpose, people. Yes, they do. And now, it you, works. So you're, you're, and your, your city is certainly saving a few bucks. And yeah. they either will be the first one to admit that or, or, or point that out. But it's for a very, very good cause. And yeah, they, they were spending a tremendous amount of money maintaining these areas in ways that really were counterproductive. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's maybe a little tougher to get down to the water, but the water's going to be in a lot better shape once you do. What else, what else can we do? I mean, what else is out there? You have some legislation or that is either signed or going to be signed very soon that expands some of the use of, of, of buffer strips, right? Oh, sure. What we tend to just talk about the buffer bill. Uh, you mentioned the various programs earlier, federal, state, local, mm-hmm. SRAM, CRP. Uh, they all provide a payment to landowners. Uh, unfortunately, um, at, at, at tax time, when it comes to evaluating the land, these buffer strips are still treated as being whatever they were before, or sort of highest and best use. And so even though you're no longer growing corn, your tax bill looked like you were. Mm. Uh, and so a couple of years back, a proposal was rolled forward that would um, uh, basically lower the, the property tax bill uh, for folks who enrolled land into buffer programs and, and, you know, planted perennial vegetation, kept a width of a certain distance and those, those kinds of things. Um, first year it was wildly popular with the legislature, uh, but not so much with the governor's office. He had some questions about, about how it was going to be implemented. 
style and form, right? Let's, <laughs> let's, let's call it style and form. Uh, sure. Uh, last year, the governor's office brought forward their version of the bill, which was largely pretty much going to do the same thing, had a lot of the details worked out. Uh, that sailed through without really any uh, opposition. I won't say debate. There was a lot of discussion, but not a lot of opposition. Um, this year, there was a, a similar bill, House Bill 1119, which I think the governor signed just a couple of days ago, um, that allowed uh, for local decisions to be made that might expand the eligible areas. The, the list of eligible water bodies in last year's, in the original bill, um, was tied to a water body list that the state had generated for a variety of other reasons. And we didn't want to tinker with that list because that had other, again, other implications. And so what the new bill will do is allow uh, at the county level, uh, if, uh, for instance, the Lincoln County commissioners would like to see more buffers, uh, folks take advantage of this tax reduction program on Nine Mile Creek above Lake Alvin, they mm -hmm. can. Right now, they cannot. And, you know, we, we don't have a tool. The, the amount of money that you're going to save in your taxes is pretty tiny. Nobody, I, I can't imagine anyone's going to say, well, I'm going to quit doing what I'm doing mm -hmm. to save eight bucks an acre. Right. But it removes a disincentive. If you've already agreed, I'll do this, it takes away that sort of bad feeling where, geez, I'm being taxed like I'm, I'm not doing what I'm doing. I'm doing something good and I'm mm -hmm. not getting any credit for it. This is a way of getting some credit. More of a moral victory than anything else, You're but buying them a beer. There you go. We'll buy them a beer. Yeah, <laughs> it's been kind of a beer show. Um, uh, we're talking with Jay Gilbertson, manager of East Dakota Water Development District, about water quality. Here's the big question for me: Will we ever get to the point with all these different efforts that you'll actually be able to eat fish out of the Big Sioux River and recreate in it to some degree? Well, I think right now you can eat the fish out of the Big Sioux River. I don't know that we have any. Um, Necessary impairments, uh, the biggest one on eating fish typically revolves around mercury. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had a couple of hits up in the middle basin around Flandreau that uh, aren't a problem. So eating the fish is not that big of a deal. Um, the, the, the casual interaction with the water, fishing, boating, um, kind of comes and goes in general. If I were going to go canoeing or kayaking the Big Sioux River right now, I'd go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. When I got out, I'd make sure I washed my hands and took a shower and whatever else because... A lot of the times, the bacteria load in the river is a little higher than the, than the standards uh, would uh, suggest it ought to be. Uh, making the Big Sioux River swimmable is going to be a challenge. Um, it, it, it's taken over 100 years to get to the point where we are now. Uh, we're not going to fix things overnight uh, by any stretch, but that's a laudable goal we need to be working toward. And even if it was just... So, you know, if you went kayaking, which many, many people do now, kayaking is a very popular activity in the city, and it hasn't always been that way. Um, the city has changed the water flow to make it more accessible later in the summer, all these things. So I see a lot of people out there, including me. Um, it would be nice if you didn't have to worry that if you tipped over, you had to hold your, you know, get something over all the holes in your head. You know what I'm saying? That would be, that would be good. Right now, yeah, I'm not so sure. You know, um, the, the loads are there, they are going down, but, uh, the river, uh, I'm currently in the process of reviewing the, uh, the state's latest report. Uh, they have to, a biannual report on the state of South Dakota waters. And once again, the, the big Sioux river as it comes through Sioux Falls and, and farther down, uh, is listed as being impaired. Um, I, I think it's probably a little less impaired than it was last year hey, or well, two years ago. Small but it, it's hard to say, and certainly in, in the case of Skunk Creek, we, it, it was delisted um, for uh, suspended sediment, solids in the water uh, on the report two years mm -hmm. ago, and it continues to be delisted, or it's not, it, it, that's not a problem this year either. So that's a good sign as well. Yeah. Uh, Jay Gilbertson, he is, he is the uh, manager of the East Dakota Water Development District. If I want more information, some of this data you're talking about, and you knew, what is your website so I can go watch this develop? Uh, the the uh, uh, easiest thing is Google East Dakota Water Development District. I should have our website at my fingertips, but that's not my generational thing. East we're gonna, Dakota Water Development District, give us a call. We're going to do you a solid here, speaking of solids, and put it on our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show. So there you go. Uh, Jay, thanks a lot for coming in today. I really appreciate it, and uh, good luck to you, sir. Not a problem. 
We're going to finish up here in a moment on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And that's 4.58 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. It's the radio clash, which means it's the end of the show, and that means it's the end of the week. Join us Monday, my guest, Dr. Kurt Griffin, who is leading Stanford Research Project to find a cure for type 1 diabetes. And we'll talk a little bit more about all the basketball that's going on, and the common man will be with us for Weird Friends. That's all coming up on Monday. Thanks for being here, everybody. See ya. Have a great weekend.